Hello, it's episode 18 of Camera Conversations and today we are speaking about travel overseas with job security with my good friend Dean Palmer, a chartered accountant from the south of England. The podcast touches on a number of different areas. Firstly, we will go into traveling abroad with work and what that looks like, as well as some of the new perspectives that that can bring you. Of course, for those that have been missing some of the more fitnessy content, there's plenty of fitness stuff within this one, and even a shout out for Z's for anyone that's been missing his name getting dropped in a podcast. The final thing that we touch on is with respect to dealing with challenges within the workplace. So there is a little bit of overlap with the discussion that we had on my solo podcast, and hopefully that's helpful for people at this challenging time. Without any further ado, let's get right into it. folks and welcome back to another episode of Canberra Conversations and today we are joined by my good friend Mr. Dean Palmer. Dean is an accountant and we've known each other for probably about three and a half years now again through Fitness Instagram and today we're going to be speaking about a pretty broad topic with respect to career development and particularly within the corporate space. There's lessons that can be learned from this whether you're in business and fitness Wherever you are, I think you can take something from this, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Dean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Colin. I'm uh, really, really glad you're doing these podcasts, mate. It's been a long time coming, and it's an absolute honour to be a guest on on the podcast. So thanks for having me. No worries, Dean. Yeah, um, you were you were one of the people that was pushing me um, to to give the listeners a bit of an insight. I you'll know that I appeared on quite a few last year, and after one of them in particular. Dean was quite um, quite funny when he said, I actually quite enjoyed listening to you, but the host was a bit difficult to, to listen to and you kind of steered the conversation. You, you were kind of driving that. And I, with the greatest respect to the host, I was like, oh, well, I, I think I can do a lot in this space. And I'm glad I finally bit the bullet and got involved. And we're, we're a good number of episodes in now. We're, we're keeping it going, Dean. Yeah, definitely. You got, you got a voice for Radio Colin. So I'm, I'm glad you're, you're out on some sort of format and, I like to start some of my morning walks with you in my ears. So, yeah, it's, a, it's always a good start to the day. <laughs> a, a voice and a face for radio, depending on, uh, depending on what platform <laughs> you listen on, whether you, whether you think I'm handsome on Instagram or not. So, Dean, as all good podcasts start, give us a little bit of a background on yourself and we'll get right into the, the nitty gritty of what we want to talk about in terms of the career-based conversation. Yeah, sure thing, Colin. And I know this is this is kind of a fitness business podcast, so I'll try and focus on on those two aspects of um, of my recent life, I suppose. So I, I I played football since the age of seven or eight. Really, I played for for ten years. I've always been interested in fitness. I've always taken part in some sort of sport, and and primarily that was that was football or soccer for any American listeners we've got on here, and. I never really knew what I wanted to do, to be honest, growing up. And I think a lot of people feel like they need to know what they want to do. But I just made sure I was working hard in things that I did and, and hoped that that would one day open opportunities for me. So I always gave it all, my all in football. Um, I worked hard in school. I've, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting, but I have always got good grades. But that's not because of any any particular, you know, 
knowledge base that I've already had. I'm not one of those people that is naturally clever. I've always had to work hard and people might look at my history of grades and say, Oh, he's just one of those people that, that does well. He's just clever. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need to work hard, but as I've, I've always worked hard and I think that's really important. So I got good grades at school. I've been playing football for a while around the age of 17, well, probably 16, 17 is when, you know, my, my focus turned a little bit. Parties were starting to happen. I found the gym as well. And, and my attention kind of drew away from football and, yeah. I think I stopped playing around 16 or 17 and this is when I this is when I first got into the gym really I, I was attending this this pretty small and shocking uh, kind of community type gym and didn't really know what I was doing for for the first year or two that I was training I was just just trying to do something and and kind of hoping for the best and watching a bit of YouTube here and there you know I was back in the the Z's era as I know <laughs> you've talked about on the podcast and yeah, you know, I got got myself hyped up with a with a Z's video before before training. Just on that, Dean, how many of us at our kind of age, kind of mid, kind of early to mid to late twenties, got influenced by that? I think it's incredible in terms of like, because he was just this guy in Australia or New Zealand or wherever with a with a with a flip phone, just filming him lifting weights and going to festivals and shouting at his webcam <laughs> about being a sick guy. But that's it is funny how we all start, isn't it? Yeah, it was the, the video in the car when they're in the, when they're in the parking lot just blaring music and getting hyped up and then they like run out the parking lot to the gym and, you know, <laughs> he's, he's smashing like raw eggs and things like that. You know, you look back on it now and, and you wonder what the hell was going on. But at the time, it had the, it had the right effect somehow. Um, so, yeah, anyway, back to the, back to the story. So, I finished school with, with good grades and I knew I, knew I wanted to go to, to university and I ended up um, applying for, for business economics at, uh, at UEA in Norwich. So I headed to Norwich for university. And this is kind of where I, I started training more frequently. You know, you have all this spare time at uni. I still, I still don't think I had my nutrition or my, my workout programming nailed. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the most effective form, you know. Yeah. I don't think I was, I was tracking my my calories to work out what my maintenance was and then and then adjusting that down or up for if I wanted to to put on muscle or or shred down so it was kind of just like I was just going to the gym often and and at uni as as a lot of people probably experience you're you're out a lot at uni um I worked as a a club promoter as well so multiple nights per week I was out and you know you do you do drink a lot of alcohol and you're training on hungover days it's it's not the most effective form, but um, I got I got through uni with good grades, and I ended up landing um, a grad job uh, with a with a top accounting firm in the UK. So I I went into an audit role after finishing uni, and I was I was still based in Norwich at that time. I don't really know if I knew what I was getting myself into, to be honest, because having done all the exams to get yourself to uni. And then um, all of the exams that you, you have to do at uni, I then signed myself up for another 15 across three years. And, and that was to enable me to, to attain my ACA qualification, which is, um, which is the qualification that, that we had to do in that role. And that's to be a chartered accountant, isn't it? That's the term. Yeah, that's it. So there's a couple of different ones. Um, I think the two most common in the UK for chartered accountancy is ACA or ACCA. So, we were doing ACA, you know, we didn't, 
we didn't have a choice of which one to do. It was just weird doing that one. I'm not sure of the intricacies in terms of the difference between the two, but they're both um, globally recognised yep. qualifications. So, you know, I, I didn't grow up um, wanting to be an accountant. You know, I don't know if there's many people out there that do, but at the time, I still didn't really know properly what I wanted to do. I came across this role and I thought, you know what? It's not a bad thing to do. It's a good job with a good company. I'm going to get myself a qualification, which is internationally recognized in finance. People are always going to need people in this, in this industry. And this is going to enable me if I want to, to work anywhere in the world, really. Everyone's going to know what this qualification is. If I decide to pack up and, and move to the US or anywhere, really, people will see those letters after my name and, and, and they'll know what that qualification is. So I knew that it would open a lot of doors. So I thought, why not? You know, um, I, didn't, I like that. I, didn't. I really like that. And I think it just reassures you that the time that you've put into those exams has, has been worthwhile. And so many people kind of do university down and don't get me wrong. I'm one of those people that's a little bit skeptical about some of the qualifications that are available and quite the benefits of it. But it's clear that you, you kind of tick that minimum box in terms of you get your uh, business and economics degree. And then from there, it gives you the, the bit of paper in your hand to get entry to jobs that you cannot get pretty much cannot get unless you're extremely lucky um, and, and, and you get access to those. And then from there, you commit to further, further professional development, which again, and we'll get onto the theme of being valuable, it makes you a more valuable asset to an employer across multiple sectors. Because one of the things I think is often forgotten about accountancy, and I'm sure this will resonate with you, Dean, given where your career might end up. You can obviously work as an accountant at these big firms who audit, but you can also then become a finance controller and then a finance director of a business in any sector. And that's quite an exciting kind of carrot. And I know some of the listeners will remember Johnny Iannotti from one of the early episodes. I think it'd be episode six. Johnny certainly is somebody that has done a similar path to Dean in terms of doing his uni degree, getting his qualifications. And now it's made him someone that has options with respect to staying within the firm and growing or going elsewhere and doing that as well so i think that's that's interesting and I appreciate the the fitness background as well and that kind of youtube path you were on well youtube hype you were on in terms of motivating you but for the listeners that don't know you were also a bit of a content creator for for a period as well doing quite quite niche in terms of you were doing reviews was the main focus wasn't it yeah that's it so my 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 youtube name is is dean reviews i haven't put many videos out recently and they've actually taken a bit of a turn in terms of the type of content that I've put out and we'll probably get on to mentioning that later but yeah I I just found when I was when I was working out a lot I was ordering a load of gym gear it was turning up and and hardly anything ever fit and there was never really any valuable information in terms of sizing on the websites from where I was ordering for you know the models this size this height and he's wearing and he's wearing um this size in the clothes you know that wasn't as apparent as it is now yeah. and I, I was just having stuff arrive in the post try it on and it was no good and then and then the returns process was impossibly difficult everywhere's made it easier now but it was you know you have to log on to their website print off a form write down what you ordered and what you want to change it to send it back and then they send out a new one it was it was just crazy um so i thought 
you know, I could, everything that turns up, even if I send it back, I get my money back, but I can, I can order stuff from various websites. It will turn up. I can try it on. I can do a video, tell everyone my stats, show how it fits and then send it back. You don't have to take the tags off. So I did a few videos, um, you know, wearing some of the, the bigger brands and a few smaller brands as well. And, and was posting those on, on YouTube and, it's not something you want to subscribe to. So, you know, it's not a long-term YouTube uh, life or kind of goal to have, but yeah. uh, it was, it was racking up some views. You know, I had these um, brand names in the title of my videos and some of them are, are 5,000 plus views and loads of people, well, not loads, but you know, a few people commenting and, and finding out like how things fit and what I'm going to order next. So that it was, it was a fun little period. But, it was a good um, project it, for you and it adds value in a niche where, at that point, I remember, I remember the exact same experience, that kind of 2016, 2017, maybe even a little bit before that as well. You would order, there was so much kind of, so many brands on Instagram that were sharing stuff. Lots of YouTubers who were kind of doing the vlogging and the workouts were posting these brands up and you'd be like, oh, right, I'll, I'll get their t-shirt or their vest or their joggers. And the joggers were the worst that I always thought in terms of the fit and some of the joggers was just wild. You were like, there's, there's no way this is a 30 waist yeah, <laughs> or, a, yeah, or, a, even, or a small or a medium, whatever it was. Exactly. Even, even the same sizes across products from the same brand were completely different. And there were, there were people putting out these sizing reviews, but they were all like sponsored athletes. No one can really relate to a sponsored athlete. You know, they've been going to the gym for X number of years they're massive. There was, I didn't know if there was like a, a normal person, shall we say out there kind of doing these reviews. So, um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of those on my YouTube. If anybody wants to check out some old and cringy footage of me talking at a camera and trying on different clothes. Loved it. Loved it. So let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit on the career Dean. So finish unit UEA, you join one of the bigger accountancy firms in the UK what does that initial period look like? And then let's fast forward to the, the time when you decided you want to, to try something a little bit different. Yeah, sure. So as I said, you, you're taking 15 exams over three years. Well, two and a half years, they try and get you to do the exams in so that you get the exams out of the way and you can focus on your actual role more intensely. So basically you're, you're working full time and you're, you're also studying. So luckily at my firm, we did get, time at college uh, I think some firms you don't necessarily get that it's all kind of self-study so I had time at college which was paid at the usual rate um, as as time at work and you do kind of your first six exams over three or four months which sounds like a lot but they're all kind of the introductory level exams um, and then you and then you move on to the written ones which are you know an hour and a half plus and we we took three of those at a time so again, it doesn't sound like a lot for people that have kind of been to uni or done GCSEs or A-levels. Sometimes you have far more than that in, in yeah. a couple of weeks, but these were, these are intense exams. Um, you're not studying the whole time in the lead up to the exams. You know, you get a bit more time at college, your revision ranks up a little bit and, and you are working harder and, and trying to juggle that with your, with your normal full-time job is definitely difficult and you are you are under a lot of pressure but you just have to see the end goal you have to you have to see what you're working towards and be aware of that you know you might have a period of four to six weeks leading up to a collection of exams where you're going to work eight eight hours or so for the day and then you're coming home and you're trying to revise for an hour or two in the evening or 
most weekends. And I know Johnny's spoken about this on your podcast as well. And it's a very similar experience to what I had. It does get tough trying to fit in, going to the gym and, and things like that can be difficult, but it is only for chunks of time. It's not all year round. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember what you're going to end up with once you are through all of that. It's that favorite concept of mine, delayed gratification, where you have to sacrifice a little bit short term in order to give yourself more freedom long term. And there's not many more things in the accountancy space that make you more free than that, than that particular qualification, which uh, opens a lot of doors. So that, that qualification was under your belt. Obviously, we've spoken about the, the sacrifices and some of the focus that you needed to do that. You decided about three years in that you wanted a little bit of a change. You wanted to experience something different, not necessarily outside of accounting for, for anyone that's about to jump on this and say, oh, he said he wanted to get his qualification, but you, you wanted something a little bit different, Dean. Yeah, and it, it wasn't something that I just I just kind of realized as I was doing it. Um, now, I'll, I'll take you back a little bit because I've never really had a, a passion for for travel as such growing up I didn't go on many family holidays my parents aren't well traveled and I didn't really know what was out there it was only when I got to this stage of applying for university I started to consider actually maybe at some point in the future I would like to study or work overseas and some of the university roles that I applied to were economics with Spanish I was doing Spanish at, at AS level and I thought you know if I do an economics with Spanish degree that's going to give me a year overseas in Spain. I'm going to be awesome at speaking Spanish. You'll probably end up fluent over, over that time. Um, and you, and you get that overseas experience, which, you know, it's not a common thing to do. So it was only around about the age of, of 17 that I started to think actually, yeah, I would like to spend some time overseas. Obviously didn't get that, um, that role at, uh, at the uni that I was applying for that course. And I did just end up staying in the UK for my, for my three years of uni. Yep. But the, the big thing that appealed to me when I came across this, this grad job was the fact that this firm were, they had a global presence. They're in most countries you could name. And I knew that if I had this qualification, then I could pretty much go and work with them or without them in any country that, that spoke English. Yeah. And that was a that was a big, big draw for me. And it's something that I actually mentioned at my interview. I remember being at the final stage interview, speaking to the partner, and you know, he was asking me what are the what are the things that attract you to this company? And I said, one of the massive things is the international presence. I'm really, really keen to get some experience working overseas. And, you know, I think that would just develop me personally so much. So it was actually something that I stated from the outset and and then every kind of performance review, every six months or every 12 months, you know, I'd be, I'd be reminding my people manager that this, this was something that I was really intending to do. And I think it's in, important to, to make people aware of your intentions. Now, I kind of need to caveat this with the fact that at the, at the interview stage, yes, I said I wanted to work overseas. That's probably not the best thing to say for a lot of people <laughs> at an interview. Yeah. But the, the, the difference is that I was signing up to a three-year contract, pretty much a three-year training contract. They knew I was going to be with them for three years before I could go and do this. And the likelihood is, well, not necessarily likely, but what they hope, these firms hope that you go overseas, you get this international experience and you bring it back and, and you bring a different outlook on your work. I think that's invaluable. You know, you can get 
stuck in your ways of doing things and you don't necessarily have awareness of of a different approach or a different mindset that you know i was i was doing the same job overseas but i was working with different people and and a different approach so yeah i was always i was always making aware of my intentions to to go overseas and and it was just under a year after qualifying um just after i obtained my aca i I went overseas and, and took a international secondment with my company to, to go and work in New Zealand. So yeah. for, for someone that had only been outside of Europe once before, and that was to Morocco, which is pretty much as close to Europe as you can get. This is, it was a big step for me. The holidays had probably been two or three weeks max before this. And, and I'd set, set myself up for 15 months working overseas, literally the other side of the world. So it, it was, was a big a step. step, a huge step for you, Dean. And, First of all, did you have a a reason that you chose New Zealand? There, there were a couple of things. So since having that desire to, to go overseas, Australia and New Zealand have been a couple of places that I've I've just known that I want to experience. And it actually works quite well because our busy seasons in the UK opposite to that of of australia and new zealand and that's because of the year ends so companies year ends um uh uh, completely different in in australia and nz so basically it works that you go from the uk to australia or new zealand for their busy season whilst you're quiet in the uk and you can either do a short term or a long term to comment so if you go for short term you basically go for the busy season over in australia or nz and then you come back to the uk and you're back back for the busy season in the UK. Um, and if you do a long-term one, it usually works out at just over a year so that you're overseas for two busy periods. So they get like, they get the real, the real benefit of you being there. Um, and, and it just so happened that my people manager had actually been to New Zealand before he still had connections out there. Okay. And so that, that made the process a lot smoother. So there is usually a formal application process to go overseas there's really no reason why you wouldn't get it unless there was real intense competition for some reason. But um, usually these, these firms overseas are more than happy to have you come over and help them out during the busy period. So um, yeah, it just so happened to be that I ended up in, in New Zealand and, and I'm glad it was that way. It was, it was a really good choice. That's interesting, Dean. And I think for the listeners, there's, there's often two forms of common, aren't there? There's either an international one where the, send you abroad to experience different cultures and come back and like you say, try and bring something different to the office or different to the environment that you've learned or just generally broaden your horizons, which is important. Or there's the kind of positional ones, which quite often that's what I've seen more often in, in workplaces that I've been where somebody's gone on secondment to kind of maybe fill a hole for a maternity or paternity leave or um, a long-term illness or something like that. Somebody's moved across or they've moved across to experiment in a different role and to see if they'd quite like it and they've wanted the security of still being able to come back to their the previous role but you took the the former which is that international secondment to to give you that that new perspective so let's dive right in and and talk a little bit about what went on in New Zealand because I know it was an important time for you both inside and outside of your um, accounting career. Yeah I suppose the the start of it was a bit of a a whirlwind really um I finished, I finished work, I think, on a Wednesday in the UK. I flew on a Friday morning, Thursday night or Friday morning, and then landed in New Zealand 
Saturday early afternoon, went straight to an All Blacks game in Wellington. It just so happened to be that they were they were playing against France literally the day I arrived in New Zealand. So work sorted yeah. that out for me, and and then I started work on the Monday. So I'd been there less than two days before I had to go and start work in the office. So. You can imagine the the jet lag and things like that, and how ropey I was feeling that first week. Um, but I but I really tried to set myself up to to kind of be prepared for that. So I arrived around about midday on the Saturday, and you know I barely slept on the plane. It was a, a nearly oh, I think it was twenty five twenty six hours door to door from my house to to the hotel that I got put up in that first night. Um, I don't sleep well on planes at all, so I was pretty tired. But I knew that if I if I went to sleep when I got there, I I would just absolutely ruin myself. So I I kept myself awake. I went to bed at a sensible time that night after the game, and then made sure I got up nice and early on the Sunday to to at least try and get my body clock around the right way. And and then and then started on the Monday. So it was a it was a crazy first weekend, and and I was suffering a little bit for the for the first week or two, but not not quite as much as I was. Yeah, of course. So you, you you had that kind of whirlwind first week. Obviously, fantastic that the the company sorted you out with the All Blacks tickets for that first um, first day, and it just shows that they were invested in the time that you were spending over there from a, a personal perspective as well, which is fantastic. What were some of the the changes that you experienced over there then? Because I know you said you were doing a fairly similar role, and for the listeners, for the background you were potentially online for a promotion here if you'd stayed in terms of if you'd stayed in the UK, but by going away, you were delaying that to an extent. Yeah, that's exactly it, Colin. And we've, we've spoken about this and, um, and, and that's how it kind of works out. So usually at these firms, it, you're in line for a promotion a year to two years after you qualify. So I was going overseas to do my international secondment almost a year after qualifying. And the overseas firm take you on in that role that you've got experience in. I think there are instances where people have been promoted whilst being overseas, but it's all part of your contract that, you know, you're coming over for this role, you're going to be paid X amount. It's very unlikely, um, I would say, that that you're going to receive a promotion whilst you're out there. And that period that you are out there, if you're doing a long-term secondment, is exactly the period during which you'd likely receive that promotion back in the UK if you'd stayed here. And I, I was aware of that and and I knew that was going to kind of be a thing. I was going to go overseas, continue work in the same role. I'm doing the same job, albeit slightly different in terms of accounting frameworks and standards that, that I needed to be aware of and different, slightly different approaches in, in the work that was being done. But I, yeah, I knew I was going to kind of miss out on that prime time promotion period but I felt that the the international experience was is it was what I was want, wanting more so than yeah. than a promotion at that particular time and I think that although although that does delay that that promotion by a year potentially two years I think that five years down the line there's going to be no difference and yeah in, in terms of where you're at what role you're in there's not going to be a lot of difference five years down the line, but you have gained over a year of, of international work experience. And, and that's, I feel like it's a real big attraction for employers these days is, is that you've, you've worked with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different ways of working. And, and you've been able to kind of adapt and, 
and gain all of that new experience and you just wouldn't you just wouldn't get that um from from working in the same place or even even in the uk um but definitely kind of in the same city so it's it's i don't regret it at all i'm so glad i did it and and even if i didn't get that promotion when it might have happened um you know the experiences that i had out there you you just can't replicate that that's the important point isn't it and one of the things to chime in on that is that you were somebody that went down similar path to me that kind of classic go to school get decent grades go to a good uni get a good degree get a graduate job work through it and you didn't do the kind of gap year or before university or after university to go traveling and not necessarily get it out of your system but to maybe explore different cultures so i guess this has ticked that box and it's not really had an adverse effect on your career it maybe paused one particular stepping board that you had but it's then boosted you in other ways because it wasn't as if you went abroad and with a backpack and didn't continue with your accounting career you kind of got the best of both worlds with respect to creating another getting involved in another culture but also enjoying that kind of um different experience in that new perspective yeah and then i think you i think you just touched on a, an important point there colin is that some people feel like they the only way they can travel is if they quit their job grab a backpack and and go and trek you know asia or, or south america for for three to six months or a year but there are opportunities out there where you can get that overseas experience whilst generating an income yes you're not going to be free all day every day to do whatever you want but you've got money coming in you're potentially able to do more because of that even though you've only got a short period of free time yeah. and um, having worked at an international firm now I think I would find it very difficult to um, before I before I settle fully I think I'd find it difficult to work for a firm that that didn't offer that potential international uh, transfer or secondment or experience um, yeah I, it's, it's a real big thing for me now I think yeah I love that Dean and it's certainly really interesting and I'm I, I'm quite thankful for the global broker that I work for in the insurance sector and the opportunities that will allow me further down the line because very similar to the firm that you were at this point it was very much an option for you should you wish to pursue it if you if, if the right role comes up in, 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 in the right country for you. What were some of the other perspectives that you gained when you were out there? Because I know we've spoken about this offline before and I think people will be interested to hear it beyond just the career because obviously you've got that international experience now of dealing with different cultures in, a, in, in the office, diverse, different ways of working that differ from Norwich or other areas in the UK. What else did you pick up when you were out there? So I guess, I guess things outside of work, um, just being in a, being in a different environment. I, I really can't speak highly enough of New Zealand, the, the landscape, the environment, just the general outdoors out there is, is insane. And I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have any family members that had been there. Yeah. I had, I had my people manager who'd been over there, you know, he gave me some insight into kind of what working was like, but you can't, you can't really describe a, an environment or a landscape to, to someone other, other than them kind of going out and, and getting that experience themselves. So I got out there and, and was just kind of taken aback by what the outdoors had to offer. And I think the previous three to five years I've been so focused on, on my fitness and going to the gym and, you know, lifting weights in, in between four walls and 
that was that was kind of my activity was going to a gym to lift weights and that kind of changed a little bit whilst I was out there I, I found a new appreciation for the outdoors just getting outside and walking or you know hiking um, I even took up gymnastics whilst I was out there on my endeavors to uh, to, to learn the backflip which I remember the Instagram <laughs> videos did some some, progr- some progressions but that that's one of the things that we've spoken about as well that kind of getting that new fresh approach because you'd earned the right to not train five days a week push pull legs or six days a week push pull legs because you built that decent amount of muscle and you'd you kind of had you were you were you were like me getting towards our natty limit and not really not really getting the massive returns so having some novelty can be quite beneficial with the gymnastics side of things would you say yeah definitely so i I kind of changed focus i wanted to i wanted to be able to perform more than i wanted to be strong or or look good um so you know gymnastics involved a lot of stretching a lot of mobility i was kind of learning trying to learn handstands and things like that there it was with a completely different set of people you know i'd never i'd never been around gymnasts before or in that sort of environment it was actually kind of daunting actually the first session i went to on my own um, walked kind of half an hour from where I lived in in Wellington in New Zealand to this adult open gymnastics class I had no idea what to expect and I just I was just ready for for a new challenge and that's that was really the first thing that I'd done that was new to me and was going to be a challenge in in a good number of years and it it, it is quite humbling you know starting starting something new but you kind of kind of get that desire for for progression and improvement back and it's it's nice to kind of get those almost beginner gains that you do when you're when you're lifting for the first time that that does translate into other areas as well you know that those levels of improvement that that come quickly when you're in your first first stages of of doing something new and it was really gymnastics and and snowboarding was the other thing that that I took up whilst I was out there and sitting on your ass pretty much all day the first time you snowboard is I mean it doesn't sound enjoyable but I just absolutely loved it and I'd never really well hadn't had a like a a real enjoyment and like immediate burning passion for something as I did with with snowboarding um so so those were two things that I I got more into and yeah it became less about heading straight to the the gym after work and and more about I know maybe maybe we'll go climb, climb the mountain that was, that was close to the office or we'll go have a walk along the harbour. We'll, we'll go try gymnastics tonight or we'll plan for a, a snow weekend away coming up. And, yeah. you know, a few, a few years before that, if you'd, if you'd have told me that I'd go like a, a week or even, even a long weekend not going to the gym, I'd, I'd have been like, nah, that's not me. But, um, you know, like I, I kind of became that person and I just found passions other than, than lifting weights. Yeah, a little bit less rigid, I think the term was that we, we spoke about in that willingness to deviate from the the set progressive overload plan. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm I've I've always found that experience very rewarding, that kind of rinse and repeat of whatever. But I'm also becoming particularly during this um COVID period where I think we're all becoming a little bit more open to well, hopefully all becoming a little bit more open to other forms of exercise because your kind of main mecca your gym has been taken away from you so you've got to have a an, an understanding and a, an appreciation for 
different forms of fitness. And I love that message where you were like, well, I was quite happy with, I was quite strong. I looked good, but how about some novelty? How about something new that kind of, you could get some newbie gains in and some kind of real adrenaline and endorphins from, which is, which is great. One of the other things you touched on there was that exploring the outdoors. And I know we laughed about it before that, we we're, we are really lucky in the UK, but we sometimes don't know it. And it takes you to go somewhere else to maybe see that, to, to spark that, Dean. Do you want to share some of the experience you had in NZ and how that's translated to your approach now? Yeah, definitely, Colin. So I knew that I, I had a limited time out in New Zealand. It was a long-term secondment. I was there for 15 months, but I knew that there was an end to that time. Um, and... I, I became a morning person whilst I was out in New Zealand. Like most weekends I was, I was up early, even in the winter, I got out there in June, which is, which is in the depths of their winter, you know, dark mornings, but I was finding myself getting up early on a Saturday morning to go and watch the sunrise at the Harbor on my own in a big Coke. So it was pretty damn cold. And, you know, you, you just, you get that urge to, to make the most of things. And, you know, I was, I was never really a morning person growing up and, and I kind of became that person just to really kind of maximize the time that I had out there um, in terms of, of what I did and the experiences that I had. So um, yeah, that, that had a big impact is in knowing that you're only here for so long. You really do need to make the most of it. And um, I'm really glad I did the long-term secondment now because I, yeah, I just don't feel like I would have had enough time being out there for only only four or five months so if if this is something that you're considering and it seems a little bit daunting um then i would just say absolutely go for it you it just experiencing all of the seasons whilst you're out there is is one thing and you don't get that unless you're there for for more than a year so that was a big thing i was just trying to make the most of my time out there and i i worked with people from from the auckland office and they'd never been to wellington their whole lives and, and Wellington's the capital of New Zealand and I just I just couldn't believe it I'd, I'd seen more of the country in you know 12 to 15 months than than some people had in in 20 plus years yeah and I, I I was just astounded because I said I said to them like you've got so much natural beauty and wonder here and there's so much of the of the country that that you haven't seen and there's there's kind of two things there I f- firstly I hope that the experiences that I shared with them in their own country really did spur them on to, to get outdoors and, and go and experience it themselves. And secondly, it made me think a little bit coming back to the UK. I've never, I've never really appreciated the UK for what it is. Whenever, whenever I've looked at booking time off work, it's right. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go abroad? It's never been, okay, let's take a, let's take a holiday within England. Let's go and see a part of the country that we haven't seen before. And, you know, I think I think we do take it for granted what's what's on our doorstep, and and people coming over to the UK and visiting will will probably be in in the same position as I was going to New Zealand. You know, wanting to see as much of the country as they can, and I think there is a lot out there that that we don't appreciate, and we don't always necessarily need to go overseas for a holiday. You know, there's lots to explore in the backyard, and I think that I think that we have a lot to offer as well now, and 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 being overseas really really highlighted that for me and I think now I want to I want to go out and explore more of the UK now I've seen that you've come back as a morning person as well because you're now at your walks before work and that was even the case before 
lockdown, you were kind of that kind of up, up, up like a lark and exploring and doing bits, as one of our former YouTube heroes would have said, Joe Delaney. <laughs> Anyone who gets that exactly. reference, please, please drop in now a message. But um, it's uh, it's it's really refreshing that that kind of I need to explore this country in the in the time that I'm here, and I need to make the most of that time. And that means getting up earlier, maybe going to bed a bit earlier. Sorry for people that love to stay up and uh, watch too much Netflix, but you're getting up early and you're going out and you're, you're exploring. And then you've taken that same attitude back to the UK and probably seen more of the UK in the time even back than you did previously. But just based on that new willingness to be like, oh, well, I can go and do this, I can do that. And that'll be the same as, as, as restrictions ease over the next few months and things start to to calm down a little bit and one of the things that you touched on was was the fitness side of things how does that look now that you've come back as well because obviously you did your gymnastics and your snowboarding out there what what are you what does that look like when you're back in the UK and how has that continued to stay with you yeah so I returned I returned to my job in in Norwich at the office that I was before I went out overseas and you know, I was I was looking forward to going to the gym again. It was it was winter again. I only got back just before Christmas after having travelled for for three months after my secondment. So I got back at Christmas, back at work in January. You know, it's cold, it's wet. Um, I think the storms that we had in in that first couple of months I was back were were pretty crazy. There wasn't an awful lot we could do outdoors. So I was back in the gym. Um, you know, three or three or four times a week I would say I moved to doing uh, full body workouts and you know spending maybe a little bit longer in the gym for a session but but not as frequently um and yeah training full body um trying just trying to get frequency as much as possible um and yeah i was kind of looking forward to to the summer and getting out and, and exploring more outdoors and obviously the challenges that we're, we're facing now or or have been facing at least with with being in lockdown for for a couple of months it's really kind of made people improvise you know what can you actually do if you don't have access to a gym? Can you still, can you still manage to, to, to keep your fitness levels up? Can you still manage to maintain your strength? Okay, you might not be able to build if you don't have the right equipment, but, but can you improvise and, and make the most of the situation that you're in? And for me, that looked like getting hold of whatever equipment I could online, which, which ended up being um, gymnastics rings. So we've been taking those out in the park, throwing them over a tree and tying those up and, and doing um, shaky, dodgy pull-ups because it's a it's a completely different exercise to to what I'd been used to. Yeah, stabilization. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, more body weight stuff. Um, I'm looking at kind of flexibility now, and also one of the things that that I that I really wanted to improve on, and I touched on this with the gymnastics pieces, is, is handstands. So I've really been looking at, um, at how I can improve on those, and and you know, learning the the proper technique to handstand and it's again it's a it's a long and slow process to 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 improve on on handstands but it is humbling and it does again remind you of the perseverance and and challenges that you can face but also overcome yeah of course speaking of challenges to overcome then will we get into a little bit about what happened career-wise when you returned from nz you've had this fantastic experience you were back in the office in norwich you were probably had your eyes on when that promotion might start to come around and how you could work towards that. But there was a little bit of a bit of a speed bump in the way or a little bit of a, uh, an obstacle. 
yeah, so so coming back to to Norwich, it was it was a big decision to come back. Um, you know, I could have I could have had the opportunity to to stay out in New Zealand if I wanted to, but I decided I wanted to come home. You know, see the family. I hadn't been home during during that period, which was um, eighteen months by the time I got back. So I wanted to see the family, and I was ready to to come back and and work. I went I went back to my role in Norwich, and I was I was just ready for the for the promotion and and I went back and I said look this is this is what I want to do over the next three to six months um how can we kind of like make that happen this is this is really what I want to do now I feel like I've got the right experience the things that I've learned overseas um I'm bringing back and and hopefully that's that's made me into a better employee and I was I was basically told that there was a position coming up within the next couple of months and and I was pretty much the the prime candidate for that so I was, I was looking to get my promotion in the next couple of months and I'd been back at work probably two and a half months um, or even less than that. Actually, I think, I think just under two months and we had some news that our, our office was, was going to be closing. So it was a, it was a similar situation to what you were in Colin that you spoke about on, on your recent solo podcast, but I was lucky in that we weren't being made redundant. Um, basically our office had been acquired by a local firm in the region and our contracts would basically pass over to them as they were no changes you know you still had your job security it's just that you were going to be going and working for this other firm now and that was a, a big shock for a lot of people I think I think that this news or th this type of news always affects people differently everyone has their own circumstances and everyone's going to find it difficult in their own way and you know I don't want to say that for me it came at like a, a worse time compared to anyone else because that that sort of news and and upheaving can can never really be well timed but you know I was on the brink of of this promotion that I'd been kind of gunning for and um and and yeah I did I did feel that for me personally this was a it was a bit of a shock and and, and not at all well timed, but you know we had a decision. We had a decision to make. Really, um, our, our contracts would transfer over to this this other firm unless we objected to that. Yeah. So we did. We did have a decision to make, and and for me, working for a well known name that has a global presence and international opportunities was was really the key thing for me. Um, and I didn't feel like that was that was the right move for me. So I think we had about five weeks' notice for this transfer happening. Yeah, um, our office was going to close. We weren't going to work. That's no. not a long time to make a pretty significant decision. Yeah, it wasn't long. Um, you know, I just <laughs> I just got back from being overseas. I just signed up to um, a new a new rental um, for a room. I was signed up for six months. You know, none of us none of us really saw this coming. So it was a bit of a shock. And, you know, you've, you've spoken about it yourself. Um, we, we do face these challenges and, and the important thing is, is how we react to them. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of play the victim almost and, and, and get down about it and, you know, say, Oh, why is this happening? This is, it's not the right time for me or this isn't what I wanted, but you have to, you have to just be, I guess, confident in yourself, um, remain calm, 
I didn't rush into any decisions. Um, you know, some, some people were, were lining up interviews immediately, um, elsewhere or, you know, um, just, just reacting in different ways as you would expect. But, um, I kind of, I kind of held off on all of that. I just, I took my time, whatever time there was of it. Yeah. Um, just to really think things through. I spoke to all of the appropriate people who could potentially give me advice. And that included people that I was currently working with, um, people from the team that we were going to be transferring over to from that other company. Uh, also people that I'd worked with in New Zealand, you know, I was just trying to get a piece of advice um, from, from various sources to see what they thought. And I think, I think that is important. Ultimately you need to do what's right for you, but there's no harm in, in taking advice from, from various people. You don't, you don't have to, to follow their advice, but it's good to hear it. And it does kind of um, bring in some more considerations that you might not have otherwise thought about. So I didn't, I didn't rush into any decisions and I decided after those conversations that, that that move wasn't right for me. Luckily I was able to get out of my, my six month rental on, on the room that I had in that property in Norwich. And, and I moved, um, I made a move down to London with, uh, with another firm that's, you know, um, well respected and, and has the international exposure and connections that I feel like I, I want from a firm now. It ticks that box for you because anyone that's listened to this knows that knows that you you appreciate the opportunity to go and and go somewhere else. And much like the situation I find myself in, that a lot of people that are tuning into this will have heard in the solo podcast. You need to react in the best possible way and appreciate. I always shout about taking action. And I say, like, control your circumstances there's a time to take considered action as well. And that's what you did. You sought counsel from lots of different sources and made sure that you could make an informed decision about what your next move was. And likewise, you, you, you mentioned one of the key words, which is confidence. And that's confidence in yourself that you were somebody that would be desirable, not just for the firm that wanted you to treat your contract over, but for other potential firms that had a global presence that ticked that box for you that you could then go to and, and I know you ended up with a couple of options in the end to, to choose from based on that approach that you took yeah exactly and I've as it was important to speak to people to to kind of get advice on on what I might want to do it's also important to speak to various people that you're that you're looking at, at joining so that your new prospects you know you might have um, a, a person or a company in mind that that you feel like you would want to work with, but until you go and meet those people, you see what the office is like, you know, you really, you really don't know. So it's really important to keep your options open, I think, and um, gain all of the information that you need and then make an informed decision based on that. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'm very happy with the decision that I've made now. I think that makes a lot of sense, Dean, because you've, you've, you've made a decision to move to an, a firm that's got an international presence but also your role has scope to go internationally as well rather than staying purely where you were because if you worked for a local firm in Norwich the extent of your work would be confined to that that area potential or at least businesses with that had UK operations yeah it's possible and you know I think that I think that move over and staying in Norwich is would be a sensible thing for a lot of people to do if you were kind of settled or committed to that area (laughs) You know, I just returned from being overseas. The only connection that I had to that region was the fact that I went to university there. I've got no family there. 
Um, a lot of my friends from university had, had moved elsewhere already. So for me, um, moving across and potentially, potentially actually having more opportunities for progressing in my career at that firm. Um, but, you know, at that point in, point in time in my life, I, I wasn't ready to, to commit to that, that area. And, and, and that's why I made the move. There were other there are other considerations as well though in terms of like long term opportunities to go abroad but also work life balance as well. Do you want to touch briefly on those for people? And again, I can't stress enough that not to scaremonger, but the story in the solo podcast and the story in this one is one that I think a lot of people may experience in the coming months and years as businesses restructure after after COVID nineteen and the kind of impending likely recession that we've got. So hopefully these stories are are helpful for people to to delve into yeah definitely the the work-life balance is a is a big thing to to consider some people are you know you can be easily attracted to the big figure salaries but you, you have to think about what that actually means um yes it means you're going to get paid this amount but are you going to be worked way more hours than you might otherwise be in an alternative place of work and you know you have to you have to think about what your likely hourly rate is going to be it's all well and good having you know a massive a massive salary on your contract but if that's meaning that you're working however many hours per week and and you know whittling away your social life and being tired all of the time and potentially you know staring at a screen for for more hours than you'd like to a day your your actual value that you get from that is just diminishing so if, if that company doesn't pay over time or, or doesn't have toy or anything like that, you need to, you need to consider that. And I think speaking to, to people that are at that firm is, is, is a really good thing to do to kind of get a bit of an insight. Cause it's really hard to, to know about that unless you have a connection who works there or you've, you've heard, you've heard about that before. So, you know, dropping someone a message on LinkedIn is, is not it's not a bad thing to do you know just to kind of get a bit of an insight into into what your life might look like and i think now more than ever um that's going to be really important you know people are kind of realizing now that things are different things are important to them you know and um, we've had a lot of our I, I suppose we've had you know a bit of a bit of our freedom taken away with the ease of access to to things outside you know having having a one outing per day here in the UK and I know that's been worse elsewhere and we we do need to be grateful for for what we do have but I think it's put a lot of things into into perspective for people yeah and I think different approaches to remote working that businesses have had and how businesses approach treating their staff during this period in terms of either financial support financial advice mental health welfare and access to different services is is huge and it should hopefully shape some people's career decisions when, when, when they come out of this. I think the last thing to touch on just with regards to your move, Dean, was that kind of mindset that you had, because that's what a lot of people are going to try and resonate with in terms of what was your thought process in terms of Dean Palmer, qualified accountant, international experience. What were the kind of key things that you were trying to get across to potential employers um, when you were applying? Yeah, so I think it was it was the experience that I'd gained, you know, post qualification for me. I had I had a lot of experience for the role that I was in. And whilst that meant that I couldn't apply for 
the next level up, which I was kind of hoping to achieve upon returning to the UK. It did mean that, you know, I had a lot of experience in that role. Um, I'd, I'd worked overseas. I think that's, I think that's very attractive um, to employers and, you know, just, I think preparing, you, you can't, you can't do anything more than, than really be prepared if you, if you end up with interviews at, at particular places. Um, you know, I did, I did a lot of research on everywhere, everywhere I went to kind of build up a bit of an idea of what this firm was going to be like. And then I would have that face-to-face um, experience and, and kind of exposure to the office, which would either reinforce that or, or contradict that. Um, but, but showing an interest in, in the places that you're going to and also being confident in yourself. You know, you basically are showcasing what you can do at an interview or what you're about. And you, yeah. you do just need to be yourself, but also be prepared and, and hopefully you've, you've got some good, good experience to back that up as well. Absolutely. And I think it was clear that that was the, the case for you, Dean, based on your approach throughout university, your approach throughout your initial years in your career getting qualified, your approach to your international secondment, and then ultimately your approach to dealing with uh, a bit of a career um, hurdle for you to jump over or a, a, a crossroads for you to make a choice on. I think that's been a really interesting conversation, both for myself from a selfish perspective, but also for the listeners, for anyone that's looking at things like working abroad, or even maybe you've been considering traveling and you hadn't thought that maybe you could work while you traveled with, 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 the, right, with the right company. And then certainly for people that are maybe going to experience some challenging decisions and diff- difficult moments and conversations that they might have to have regarding their career in the coming months and years, I hope that's been of real value. Dean, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to have a chat? So I've got two Instagrams. Um, we've spoken a bit about fitness and, and a bit about my, my kind of career as well. Um, so my fitness one is my name, Dean Palmer, without the vowels. So D-N-P-L-M-R. And then you'll find two accounts. It'll either be underscore fitness, which will have you know more, more of my archive in terms of uh, my, my gym life. And then underscore lifestyle will be the other one, which has got more of my, my travel documentation in it. Yeah, perfect. Dean, I'll pop both of those in the show notes below. At this point, guys, please take a screenshot, pop it on your Instagram story, share it in a WhatsApp group with one of your friends that might need to hear this message. If you haven't already, leave a five-star rating on Apple and a written review, and I will speak to you all again very, very soon.